Hola, my name is Lucia Diaz. I'm the host of the Art of Representation podcast. The focus of this podcast is to make sure that Latinas see themselves in the world, feel represented and celebrated. I'm super excited to interview the, some of the most incredible Latina leaders within our community. Uh, we're gonna find out about their journey, how they got to where they are, and most importantly, how we can get there as so tune in. Uh, hola, hola, welcome back to the Art or Representation podcast. I'm here with an amazing queen, Carolina. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Uh, as I was telling you before we started the show, uh, a cousin of mine brought your game to a party and I was just obsessed. I was hooked. So I wanted to make sure that you properly introduce yourself to our audience and just tell us who you are. Okay, great. Um, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Um, well, I'm Carolina Acosta. Um, yeah, and I'm the founder of Dragos Games. And yay, it's so exciting to meet anyone who who plays the games before I tell them about it. Uh, so we're already like in there, you kind of know about it, but I can tell you a bit more like how to play the game and of course how how it came to be and all that. Well, that's awesome. Well, first of all, thanks again for being on the podcast. I'm super excited to kind of dive deep in your story. I know you're Colombian, Dominican, and I kind of wanted to kind of, let's start there. Let's start a, like, <laughs> your origin story, like where you're from, who you are, and like how you, you grew up and what games you grew up playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny, every time people hear that I'm Colombian, Dominican, they make so many assumptions about me and I'm like the furthest, the furthest thing from like the stereotypical Colombian or Dominican, like sometimes like se me sale, but <laughs> for the most part, I'm like pretty, like a pretty chill person. Um, so my mom's the Colombian, my dad's the Dominican. Um, they both met in Queens. That's where I was born and raised in New York city. And, uh, you know, I grew up pretty much in like a Hispanic household, a lot of the way I grew up, what, you know, inspired the game later on. But the funny thing is, was like, I think I've always been into games, but it was never really something I played with my family. Um, I grew up mainly with my mom and would visit my dad in the summers. And when I would visit my dad's side, that was pretty much the only time I got to like hang out with all the cousins. It was like a much bigger side of the family. And we would play like Uno or like, uh, you know, cards that you would make, like games you would make up with like regular playing cards. But the board games aspect, I think that was something that came later on, like with drinking games in college. <laughs> um, so I think eventually it all caught up, like the way I was raised, my culture, and then the games later on. That's awesome. Um, I am Colombian. And so we, at least in my household, typically would go to Colombia um, and we would play Loteria with my grandpa or like cartas. What? Yeah, cartas. Yeah. Just like, you know, just like you said, like just a deck of cards and he would just make up games <laughs> in his own. <laughs> and uh, also uh, I played a lot of parques growing up, which is parques yes. uh, in English. Mm -hmm. And um, in college, for sure, <laughs> I ran into all the drinking games. So it was like really cool to finally find a game that, was, you know, focused on us, our community, the Latin community. I've never, you know, came across a game like that. And I think, you know, to, to meet a founder that has kind of thought about this demographic that has been left, you know, to, to, 
to just play the the white American games. I think it's really amazing that you bring in a lot of the culture. Just looking at the deck and remembering just the, the different cards I had to pull <laughs> during my game, I just felt like, wow, like I felt seen. I felt like really, really seen. So that's why awesome. I have to get you on the podcast right away after I played. Um, But tell me a little bit more about like, okay, so after college, what, what happened? Like, where'd you go? Did you start working right away or did you, you know, start your business? How did, how did that go? Yeah. Wait, before I get into that, you're the first Colombian ever to tell me that they've played Loteria. I've always made it seem like this, like, this thing that was just so non-Colombian. I was like, Colombians don't know what that is. Like, because when I started, you know, getting more into like the Latino community and that's, you know, part of the the story, um, I realized that there's like a whole part of the U.S. that's, you know, Mexican-American or more Central American. And they everybody kept talking about Loteria. They're like, oh, you have a Latino game, like Loteria, right? I'm like, what is that? Um, so it's funny to, that you, you guys played it. Um, so that's interesting. Well, I can say, like, my family, like, we were very rural. Like, my grandparents, they lived out in the, in the country, in the farms. And so El Pueblo only had so many games, you know. You, they didn't have, like, yeah. a variety of, like, the, what they would have in the city. So I'm thinking maybe, you know, somebody from the town brought over Loteria. Because I, I thought... Growing up, I was like, oh, it's a card matching game. And I, oh, this must be Colombian. And then I realized it's not. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's primarily played in Mexico. And so yeah. my family in particular, like my dad loves like rancheras. And I feel like Colombia and Mexico, at least from the rural part, I don't know what, what part yeah. your mom's from, but my family's from Medellin. So they're very into like rancheras and mariachis and, you know, okay. adopting parts yeah. of that Mexican culture. It's kind of like we're cousins, really. Like, that's what I like to say. Like, all my friends yeah. that are Mexican, it's like <laughs> somehow we're bonded and we're, we're, we're like cousins. But um, yeah, Loteria is, like I said, it's, I, I felt like it was a Colombian game for some reason, but then I, when I grew up and I saw, oh no, it's primarily a, a game from Mexico. Parques is definitely from Colombia, I think. Definitely right? Colombian, yeah. My, my, like I, I, I just started going to Colombia as an adult, so I don't have like the childhood memories of like yeah. whatever they played. But my cousin who works with me, she's always like, oh yeah, all we have out there is parques, parques. We have to like give Colombia now like different games to play. So we'll see how Tragos does internationally. But um, I, I've heard of Parques and I think we play like Parcheesi once. But it's crazy how, um, I don't know, like I think my family is still a little surprised that I got into games because they're like, we don't play games. Like, where did you come up with this? Like, yeah. um, No, I mean, yeah. same on my side, like my family is like, you know, you're an artist. Nobody in our family is an artist. But you know, you oh, had that creative okay. entrepreneur spark. And I think that's what's important, like to have somebody in the family go after it and just do it, you know, yeah. and not wait for permission or not wait for somebody to kind of be that role model, be the role model within the family. So I, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely proud. Um, and I think I think my story is kind of similar to yours because my background came first and foremost in art. Mm -hmm. and like design. And so I think 
that creativity um, kind of always drove me to like the next like phase or like whatever I've done in my life has been driven by kind of a creative spark, if you will. Um, and so uh, going back to your question, I started I, st- I started off always doing art. I think like it was, you know, when they first ask you as a kid and like, I don't know, kindergarten or first grade, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, I want to be an artist. Um, but then in college, you realize like, okay, being a fine artist is really hard. <laughs> uh, so that was when uh, graphic design was picking up like crazy. UI UX was becoming a thing. And I realized, oh man, I got to stop like doing oil paintings and start learning how to you know, use computer programs. And so I did, and that was my first job working at a design agency. And it just so happened that the design agency I worked at um, was a pretty small one that mainly worked with startups, um, just startups. And so I would help them create their pitch decks that they would use for fundraising rounds. And I got to see a bunch of different industries, like talk to a lot of different CEOs and see what it kind of took and like what their storyline and kind of business plan was for these new businesses. And I just would always think, oh my God, this looks so awful. (laughs) I I don't want to do any of this that just keep me in the background. I love being behind the scenes. I'll do your branding. I'll do your website. But all the entrepreneur stuff, just even thinking about like talking to someone to help to ask for money just sounded like the worst job ever. Um, and, and now I find myself doing the same thing, <laughs> but, so but it's so ironic. I, I, I laugh yeah. because I, I feel very similarly to you. <laughs> I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. Like my, my, like right after college, I went and I studied, um, on YouTube University, how to do graphic design because I graduated as an illustration major. And so I did drop into a lot of design classes. Um, luckily, my friends and, and my and the department head of the design um, department at my school were okay with that. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. most of the design that I learned, I learned like after college. And the same, it was like, I worked for like beauty brands little mom and pops that wanted to like launch internationally and so i would create pitch decks i'd create oh, uh, wow. like a bunch of different things like for them like video editing social media like mm. i learned everything it took <laughs> in the design world how to, to launch a, a business proper yeah. and I always said, oh, man, I don't ever want to do this. And now I'm doing it. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, what what happened? (laughs) That's funny. I was just reading that today, actually, where it's like, the more you say out loud, like, I don't, I don't want that in my life is it's kind of the universe bringing it back to you because you've Mm -hmm. thought about it in a way. So I'm like, you know what, let me just stop thinking about things I don't want and just things I want, want. Um, (laughs) But I'm, I'm really happy. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm happy that it kind of worked out this way because I think, you know, life and, and your experiences give you just that, like for you to do something with it. So once you find something that you're passionate about, then you get to use all those skills that you learned about something you would never do. But then you feel like it's like you're the right person for the job in a way. And you're like, well, if I'm not going to do it, who will? Exactly. Um, so that's yeah, that's what kind of happened with uh with my business. And then I think 
so going back to that design agency, um, it was fun. It was fun for a, a while. I learned a lot and I, I kind of grew up in ranks, you know, I was trying to be a project manager slash senior designer. I don't know what I was trying to do, but I knew I was very burnt out at the time. And it was around the time where I had finally been able to afford traveling. So I had already traveled to Europe and this and that. And, uh, and at this point, just to give a little more context, context, um, my, my family never considered me very Latina. I grew up very assimilated, um, to like the U S culture and, and, you know, learning English in school. And so I was very much like, uh, a creative, person who lived in New York. And so I took that identity and ran with it and never really said, oh, well, I'm Latina, so I have to be this or I'm Latina, so I'm going to, it just never really occurred. So in my head, I was like, oh, I want to go to Paris. I want to do this. You know, like I never felt like the need to go even visit Colombia or DR because I just didn't feel like I had any ties to them besides my parents. Mm -hmm. And so they never really pushed for it. I never really bothered until one year, my aunt um, mentioned that she was going to Colombia for like the hundredth time in her life. And she's like, how have you never gone? You should just come with us. Like, it'll be a fun vacation. We'll go to San Andres. I was like, okay. And I was scared because one, my Spanish was crap at the time. And two, like, I just, I didn't want to feel even more gringa being in Colombia, feeling like super out of place. But I went anyway, because I love traveling. And when I did go, that was when I first really, I guess, realized how Colombian I was. Um, and I felt really connected to the people there and the culture. And I was like, oh, well, this isn't so bad. I felt more out of place in my Colombian side of the family in Queens than I do here in Colombia. And so that was mm -hmm. what really opened up my, my eyes and my desire to want to go back. And then that's where the actual story begins, but I'll, I'll, I'll pause there. <laughs> oh, I mean, I can tell you right now, I'm, you know, I had the opposite experience from you. Um, mm -hmm. My parents are super like wanting to make sure that they knew <laughs> that their children were Colombian <laughs> and that their household was a colony of Colombia. And this was in <laughs> the United States. Uh, you had to speak Spanish. And um, I'm really grateful that my parents, my, especially my mom, took me back to Medellin as many times as she did um, during the summers, during Christmas vacation, because it really kind of like molded who I am and why I'm so proud to be Colombian or proud to be Latina. And I'm super lucky, like I said, to have that experience. I've always felt a little disconnected from my dad's side as well. And I think it's just like a different mentality that they have here versus in Colombia, like my mom's side of the family, they're not rich, but they're going to give you everything. Like, they're like, what do you want? Let's go out and eat. Let's go have some ice cream or let's go throw some fireworks at each other. Like, they're crazy. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> legit crazy, but I love them because they're so supportive of anything that I do and everything. They're like, they always call me La Artista, like the, you know, the artist or Yaya, or, and it's always like super beautiful to, you know, even though they might not be like VC funders or anything like that, but they're there for you. They're emotionally yeah. there and they're super excited and proud of what you do. And I've gone to Colombia, like your aunt, hundreds of times. <laughs> so primarily I go back because that's where I feel at home. Um, my husband, he's from Barranquilla. 
and he likes to travel the world. So when I married him, that's when I started to travel to other places other than Colombia. But oh, wow. I, I always miss I always miss going to Colombia. If, if there's a year that I don't go, like I'm like, oh, there's something missing in my life. And it's typically just, you know, being surrounded by family and yeah. eating some amazing empanadas and, and carne asada in Badeja Paisas, at least in Medellin. Oh, yeah. um, I've been to the coast, I've been to Cartagena, I've been to other parts of Colombia, um, but to me, Medellin will always feel like home. And you're always welcome, by the way, if you ever want to go together. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'm already inviting myself in my head. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Let's go. I, I love Medellin. That is like my second home too. Um, yeah. So I, I did get a chance to visit there after my San Andres slash Cali trip. That's where my family's from. That's awesome. But Medellin is just different. Every person that asks me, they're like, oh, where should I go in Colombia? I'm like, Medellin, don't even go to Cali. Like, I just, I'm such a traitor. <laughs> no, you're, you're not the only traitor here. Uh, my husband's also a traitor. <laughs> He's from Barranquilla. You know? I was like, let's go to Medellin because it's like nice and cool and it's, it's not as like a thousand degrees, but um. Yo, oh, I love yeah, all yeah. parts of Colombia. I love all parts of Colombia, but Medellin will always steal my heart. So let's get back to the story. Okay, Colombia is where the story really starts. Okay, tell me about this. I'm yeah. excited. I feel, feel like there's a good story coming, coming up. <laughs> I kind of left you on a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that first trip, like I said, was, um, was to Cali. That's where my aunt um, had like friends there like we don't really have family there anymore so mm -hmm. it was just pretty much a vacation but I really got to see how they lived in Cali and like how chill it was but like pretty like Latin American like very different from mm -hmm. um from America and uh or the U.S. but I, I I don't know I loved it it was so chill the hours just went by so slow and when you come from New York your whole life you're like what is going on? All the clocks are broken. Nobody does anything till like 3 p.m. And everybody's just so nice and chill. Like, and you just have coffee and drinks all day. It was just, it was one of the first times I could just relax and not feel like I was always like on the go. Um, so that that's me. That's very, that's very much a part of my personality. I'm always like, what's next? What's next? So that was amazing. And I came back, um, came back home and came back to my job and I was still burnt out. And all I kept thinking about was, man, I wish I lived in Colombia, which is crazy because our parents do so much to like get us out out of there <laughs> for better lives. And here we are like racing back. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of a turning point. And I think I was just talking about it with enough people that I got an ad one day. I'm pretty sure it was just like an Instagram ad that um, promoted this travel program that said, you know, go live in Latin America for six months to a year. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what's this? So um, I looked into it and it was this program called Remote Year that um, offered like itineraries, preset itineraries that you could pay and they handle airfare. So you get to live in a different city every month for four to 12 months, depending on what itinerary you chose. And there was this four month program that just seemed perfect because it was one month in Peru one month in Medellin, one month in Bogota, and one month in Mexico City. And I was like, I don't really care about Peru or Mexico, but that's two months in Colombia, and that just sounds perfect. So um, I convinced my my job, you know, they, they kind of gave me a hard time because remote work wasn't that, uh, like, popular at the time. This was back in 2018. Uh, but I had 
four years there already and I was really good at what I did. So I think that kind of had a lot to say. And I was like, well, if they don't let me go, I thought about quitting and just kind of winging it. Um, but luckily they did let me go. So I was, I just kind of went for it and I, I packed my bags and I moved to Peru that first month, August, 2018, which is still crazy to think that that happened. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you. No, don't worry. Don't worry. It's, oh, okay. um, it, it, it just does that while recording, but anyway, okay. uh, going back to, um, so okay that's really exciting that you took a remote year because i think it's super important for all of us to understand that the corporate ladder just gets higher and higher and higher and we could just keep going and just like work ourselves and get burnt out to death and not realize like there are other parts of the world there are other ways of working and you had a solution with um doing this remote year and i think that's really beautiful that you know you pick you know, you picked it because two months we're going to be in Colombia. I've been to Peru. I have, I, you know, I've kind of been to Mexico, but just for like two days for work. But I feel like you soaking up another culture brings so much inspiration. Like, how was that? How, how did it feel to live in a completely different country? And were you paid the American salary or was there like, how did that work? Because I think that's just super interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I, I at the time I was so like, I guess young and thinking, oh, I don't want to go to Peru, but whatever. I guess I'll deal with it. And looking back now, it's like one of the most beautiful months of my life. Just understanding the Peruvian culture, and I think it got me a lot of brownie points because now I'm dating a Peruvian and <laughs> love his entire family. So they're like, oh yeah, you're like an honorary Peruvian. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, just to answer your work question, it was just, it was exactly the same. I, at that point, I, I felt like I had a strong argument because I was so busy at work that I would start my work days at like 8am back home in my apartment and trying to get out deadlines that I couldn't leave my house to get to the office by noon because it was more important to get things out. We just worked off of our laptops So in my head, I was like, well, why do I even need to go to the office? I'm wasting two hours a day commuting when I have so much work. Nobody else is doing it. Um, So I might as well be working from home in New York. I could totally make this work in, um, you know, another location. And it was the same time zone as well. So there was there was no reason (laughs) I gave a very strong argument. I mean, also, like, on top of that, too, like, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm Colombian, but. Peru has some of the best food I've ever had in my life. The lomos oh. like oh. everything. Like I was like, my husband's dad is Peruvian, and so okay. I get it. Like it's oh. it's legit. Like the food yeah, from Peru yeah. is. I'm I'm betraying Colombia right now. I'm so sorry to all the Colombians. oh a thousand percent <laughs> every day. I'll betray Colombia. Peru has the best. Oh, man. But wait. Okay. I would say Peru has the best culinary dishes. I would say Mexico has the best street food. And that's where I stand. Colombia is nice. (laughs) That's all I'll say. I didn't have street food. I just had like, you know, I was in the office. I didn't really have a chance to really explore Mexico. But um, yeah, you got to do like a like, sorry, you got to do like a food market one day there. Okay, I'm gonna do a food market in Mexico, but you have to come to with me on the empanada trail in Medellin. Okay. Empanada trail. 
that might I haven't been on the empanada trail. No, let me tell you, it's legendary. Like a lot okay. of my friends that have been on this empanada trail are still dreaming <laughs> of it to this day. So Ooh, okay. you know, to my Mexican friends that are listening, we might <laughs> we might have a we might have a, a Mexico versus Colombia street food uh, episode. Ooh, I mean, okay, of, yeah. In Mexico and, okay. and uh, Colombia, but let's get Hell back yeah. to like. Tell me about okay. So you you're doing remote work. You're in Peru. You're in Mexico. You're in Colombia. So you start your days at like eight a.m. You work, and then what happens? Like, do you go out and explore on the weekends? You go party? Right. Oh yeah, <laughs> all of that. So yeah, I think. I'll, okay, well, just to kind of recap, Peru. Peru's gorgeous. You know, the people are so nice. The food, as we mentioned, is insane out of this world. Um, you know, the, and yeah, I guess starting from there, we, what was great about the program was that we were traveling with other Americans. I had the leg up cause I was one of the few people that spoke Spanish on, on, in the group. Um, so I was like the, of course, like the, the translator wherever we went, but it helped me make a lot of friends locally as well. So that's where my Spanish like picked up quick. It was kind of like, something I thought I lost, but came back really fast. And yeah, we, we all would meet, um, in a co-working space that was part of the program that you pay for. Um, and we would be in basically like a, we work or like something, something similar in that country. Um, and work probably till like five or six, you know, whatever, same time zone, like I said, and then we would hit up like a happy hour or, um, do certain, they had these like, what were they called? Like little workshops that we could join in. So like maybe two or three times a month, they would be like, Oh, look, we're going to go do this, like, um, Pisco tasting, or we're going to go to a taco making workshop, either something around food or like something with your hands. So it was just so different because the program like immersed you into it. And then we had these, um, program leaders that were from the city that we were in. And so they became our like city best friends and just kind of took us to where they knew their favorite restaurants, their favorite clubs. And every weekend, Thursday through Sunday, like (laughs) a lot of partying. Um, And it was just, it was, it was like college. It was like, uh, these cities were our campus. It was just so much fun. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, I seriously envy this experience because I definitely feel like to me, um, that's where most of my growth has come from. Every time I go back to Colombia, it's typically during like times of transition or there's been like some sort of, you know, thing that has happened in my life where I'm either, you know, promoted or laid off. And I wanted to make sure to kind of reset myself. So I go to San Carlos. I go to where every local goes, like all the restaurants and all the the great places thanks to my cousins because my cousins will just they just take me out and and so I think that's so beautiful that you get to live these experiences and these beautiful memories because these cultures are super rich like a lot of the media here in the United States you know you know especially the news says oh it's dangerous oh don't go there and I'm like, all right, y'all don't have to come. Like, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun in Colombia and Peru and Mexico. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. it's honestly, it's the people, the food, the the way of life is so different in it's South so America. Different. And it's so beautiful because people actually live their life. 
and it's not that, all about work. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was like, they actually live out there because they're not so worried on, you know, having like that ambitious energy every single day and never stopping. Like they're not really workaholics. They do their job and then they kind of just settle in. Like there's always time for like a beer at night or, you know, visiting the neighbor in the middle of the day and just it just seems, uh, yeah, it was very different, very different. But, you know, we, we had similar experiences, like you with your family and me with, you know, a, a program. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I would love to go back to these places and be like, oh, you know, like, I know I know you or like, I know your family, like, let's hang out. I, I would say it's it would be harder now, but I think I have new people to go visit um, certain cities with. Including you now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're always welcome to come imagine, like, literally, we'll have my uncle pick us up at the airport, and, like, we'll just go to my favorite spot right away, which is San Carlos, and, and just bathe in the waterfalls. Like, they have, like, 26 oh, wow. waterfalls. And I never we'll have a good time, like, an amazing time. Tell me a little bit more about, okay, so, you're, after remote, what what happens and where where does your mind go where it does do you start to become an entrepreneur or what what's happening oh right uh so mid mid trip i still felt the burnout surprisingly and i think i had gotten to a point where just probably traveling being more independent on my own i found the confidence to finally quit that job i had put in my 2 weeks this was right before going to Cartagena for the first time. So there's nothing like that feeling of leaving something you don't want and then mm -hmm. going on a vacation. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just, um, like you said, it, it's a great way to kind of reset. And the only idea of what I wanted to do afterwards was maybe freelance because I had gotten kind of the confidence in my skills as well as, as a graphic designer to – possibly get my own clients. And while that was terrifying, like, you know, thinking, how am I going to pay my bills when I get back home? Living in New York is more expensive than being on this trip. But, you know, I still have to go back at some point. I met a friend that was on that program. And he's like, don't worry about it. I'm in marketing. We need designers all the time. And he got me my first two clients. That's amazing. And so... And so that was kind of like a turning point where I thought, okay, I don't have to work every single day from eight to six or whatever. And um, I can make my own schedule and I can uh, work with people that I want to work with. And I started freelancing up until um, I started Tragos, which is once I was back home and um, like the six month or like two months after I came back from this trip. That's awesome. Which, I, mean, I think it's so wonderful when you have that network of people that says, don't worry, I got you. Like, I, I'll take care of you. Don't stress about, you know, clients or anything like that. And it's so, like, when I had the experience to work remotely in Colombia, it was a dream. Like, last year mm -hmm. I got, I landed, like, my biggest illustration gig with Corbella and Latinas in Tech, where nice. I illustrated 30 mujeres in STEM. And I, during the day... I spent most of my day with my parents going to the waterfalls, going out to eat. Wow. I would ask my parents, what do you want to do? They're like, I just want to go to my friend's finca. I'm like, all right, let's go ride horses, you know? And then at oh night, I would just sketch and draw like a, a crazy woman. I would just sketch, wow. sketch, sketch. 
And okay. it was like such the most beautiful month of my life because I'm eating good food. I'm doing what I love to do. And I'm spending time with my parents, something that I didn't have the opportunity to do when I was working in corporate, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a, like a big load on your shoulders when you have to climb that ladder. And then for me, I realized the ladder that I was climbing, it was for my parents, not for me. Like if this isn't, the dream I had to work in one of the biggest like companies in the world to be an art director. Like it's cool, but it's not, the title isn't everything. The burnout is real, yeah. especially in corporate America. And I honestly feel so lucky that you had that experience. And I'm lucky that I ha I've had experiences where I can work from anywhere and just connect online and, and send clients work. So, okay. Yeah. So you're, you're working as a freelancer, you're coming back to New York. What, like, what, what sparked that inspiration for Dragos? Like, who, who, like, who did you think you had to be to be a CEO, an entrepreneur? Yeah, well, I mean, I think just even going back to what you're saying, like, working remote, a lot of people feel like they can't do it, or working for yourself, even in, like, a freelance, um, like, role, I think it, it, it really is trying to define yourself and, and be confident in your own skills. And so if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be an artist, if you want to make your own schedule or just uh, anything is kind of believing in yourself, which is doesn't come easy. I think it comes with experience, mm -hmm. um, which is why a lot of people start their own businesses after their corporate burnout because they've gain those skills over here. And they're like, I could do better for myself, for my life. Um, and at this point, so this is kind of where I turned. Uh, I went a little backwards, in my opinion, um, in the short term to uh, go forwards more in the long term. So when I was back home, um, I was back in the same apartment. I, you know, I had subletted. I'm back in. I was living with my brother at the time. And we, uh, I told him, I was like, Hey, I quit my job. I'm like, you know, setting my own schedule. Now I have a few clients and I was working maybe three clients a month and just had so much free time because I had my own rates. I charged, I set my own schedule and I was, I was living the life. And at the time I was working out, um, I had, I, I, I think this was like my, my most stable time financially and everything. Um, then my friend calls, the one who is landing me clients, um, and this is kind of where uh, Tragos was born. He calls me. He's like, hey, what do you think about a cultural drinking game? It was his idea. I never take the credit. And I was like, oh, wow. And, you know, we had bonded over both being ethnic. He's uh, Korean-American. Um, but we had so many, like, cultural similarities. So, of course, he pitches it to me first. And he's like, I only told my mom, and she thinks it's a dumb idea. <laughs> Um, and I was like, it's the best idea. You should totally do it. And he's like, okay, well, here's what I'm thinking. And he's like, but I need you to like design the game and the packaging. And I was like, I will do it like for nothing if I can do it for my culture. Because at this point I had, I'd been missing like Latin America so much. And I felt like, you know, going back to my gringa life, I was like, no, something's wrong. But as soon as he said that idea, I was like, oh, this is what has been missing. And I was like, this doesn't exist. Nothing, nothing out there was like this idea. So we both got to work and we launched our ideas mainly because they were just pre-order uh, listings 
on our Shopify stores in like one to two months. Like it was so fast, but because we just really believed in the idea. That's amazing. That's beautiful that, you know, you partnered up with the co-founder and got this idea off the ground and you designed it and you're like, no, let's make it based on, you know, Latin American culture. And I think it's so important because there aren't, I mean, there's not a lot of games out in the universe (laughs) that are based on our culture. And it's, it's sad, you know, because our Mm -hmm. population is becoming a majority. (laughs) Like this country is growing. Like our demographic is growing. We're at 20% right now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Compared to other demographics in this country. And I feel like not enough things are designed with us in mind. And Mm -hmm. this was also something I experienced in my time at corporate. um, When I was working as an art director, launching a streaming service in Mexico. And I feel like the most important thing you have to remember is who you're designing for. And you totally designed for me, girl. Like I, <laughs> I, this part, I was like, she, she must be cool. Like I, I was thinking this designer must be Colombian or knows of any of a Colombian because there's a lot of, at least also the, the thing that I forgot to mention, there are drinking games in Colombia that my cousins and I used to play at. Um, we were super young, probably too young to drink. Uh, drinking age in the, in Colombia is eighteen. Here in the states mm-hmm. is twenty one. So, how did you develop each card, and how did you like find the inspiration? Like, what what like what was the inspiration behind each the theme of the game and the cards? And ex- if you want to explain how it's played as well for the listeners that haven't played yet, but will in the future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I guess I can start with that because the the game mechanics came from my friend's game and people are always like, oh, it's like Cards Against Humanity, but for Latinos. And I'm like, ooh, I'm a total game nerd, so no. Um, <laughs> because, so, uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like sometimes I'll be like, oh, yeah, if it helps you remember us that way. But um, it's a drinking game, so – whether you're drinking with alcohol or not, you'll you'll need a beverage, um, even if it's just water. And you basically pick up a card on your turn. You have a whole deck of cards face down. Pick up a card and it will tell you what to do. So that's different uh, card types or categories. Some cards will be like, if this applies to you, like something very Latino, take a, take a sip of your beverage. And then if that applies to anyone playing, then everybody drinks. Um, Other cards will be like a challenge that you have to do. If you don't do the challenge, then you have to drink. Um, Another one will be a trivia question. So you ask the whole like group playing, hey, you know, like where do you put your pots and pans? Um, If you're Latino, like then whoever says el horno, you know, out loud, then they have to pick somebody to drink. So it's always like something different just to keep it interesting. But that's that's pretty much it. We say pick up a card and drink. I got the oven card the first day and I was like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, if if you're Latina and you don't, if your parents don't put the pots and pans in the horno, then are you Latino? Like that's exactly, yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, I'm sorry, go ahead. I still put them in the oven. (laughs) I stopped, but I'm probably going to start because I'm running out of shelf space. And so it's just the easiest way to do it. But I did it for like, 
I would say 10 years after I left <laughs> my house. And then I, and then I realized, oh, there are other places to store these things. Um, but, there are other ways. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I wanted to kind of get into also like, okay, so you have this concept for this game. You're designing it. You're putting it on Shopify, pre-orders. How do you go about promoting it? How do you go about talking about it? How do you go about, you know, get getting the word out for this game? Yeah. Um, well, that is something that you got to work on every day up until you have a whole team to do your marketing. But if there's one thing I've learned as like, uh, like a founder of a startup is that your number one job is marketing. Like you could have a marketing person on your team, you could have interns, but at the end of the day, if you're the face of the brand, you will always be the one to have to do the marketing. Um, so that's where I'm at. I think, uh, I'm not going to lie, that's my least favorite part. I love being the behind the scenes person, but here we are. Um, and then just to kind of go back to to like, where the card content came out from because that really did help with the initial like ads that we put out there you know I think this was in 2019 and just just a few years have passed by and it has become so much more saturated and competitive to promote your product out there not with TikTok um, Facebook ads not being the same way they used to be so when we first started I literally had come up with 10 of the best cards or pulled them out from like a very rough Google Doc, Photoshopped them on a very plain red background and just threw them on as as a Facebook ad or Instagram ad. And people were just ate it up. They're like, what is this? This is brand new. I never seen it. Our number one card at the time, there were two, um, was if you've ever been asked if you speak Mexican, take three sips. Oh my God. And the comments on those ads was just like, oh my God, this is me. Like, <laughs> um, and so just like all of us, like, by the way, all of us. Yeah. The, the, I know for real. It's like, it's pretty sad. <laughs> but yeah, those like spicy cards on an ad is like, what? Like, this is a thing. It just, um, it, it picked up really fast at the time and got a lot of attention. And we built a community very quickly through social media, through ads and, once those ads started working, we just kept throwing more and more money in it. And I think now the hard part is uh, that money doesn't go as far as it used to. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find different ways um, to organically get your customers. And one thing that I've really enjoyed recently is just kind of going out there to different communities um, through friends and just networking and and being at game nights at different bars, going to different networking events. And it's a lot more fun than trying to like learn a dance <laughs> for strangers on TikTok. Well, yeah. No, I can tell you this right now. I'm not on TikTok. I know everybody has been telling me to be on TikTok, but I just, for some reason, I've just, you're, you're, I don't want to spread myself too thin. Like I'm much more interested in being on YouTube or having a podcast and being on Instagram and I do come from I do have like a social media background where I have like built like ambassador teams and influencer teams and I think that's another thing that you should definitely you know tap into the influencer marketing I think is a a, an amazing component um at least for us like our face I remember the days (laughs) where you would just you know you just give uh Facebook or now Meta 
like twenty dollars and you had such crazy reach mm-hmm. now with twenty dollars you could probably reach twenty people and it's, yeah. it's it's just so insane and so I think that's really important for everybody that's listening do not just think you're gonna have Facebook ads roll out and you're gonna mm-hmm. just break in the cash it's you really need to work on your customer persona, who you're marketing to, why you're marketing to them, and get to know your customer. Um, that's mm-hmm. something that I'm trying to do and, and do surveys and make sure that I, you know, talk to people one on one that have purchased my product and and see like what what they like about it, what uh, they're yeah. interested in, and, and kind of tap into that. But that takes no, a lot of work. And, and just like you said, Carolina, like marketing is a daily thing. You have to put yourself out there. You have to network. Yeah. You have to you know, do all of these things. And, and so with that, I wanted to ask you about, okay, you launch your game, you, how do you fund like your business? Is it through grants, through business loans, through VC funding? Like how, what is it that helps you get this really off the ground? Yeah. Uh, well, it's been pretty much bootstrapped, like without VCs or investors up to now. Um, I think, we may do it in the future, but maybe not next year either. And right now what we're trying to do is partner up with bigger companies that do what what I as a individual can't do. Um, so now uh, that we're in Target, this was just this, this month, and so it's oh, all geez. brand new. <laughs> um, thank you. We We're starting now to see like – the opportunity for like logistics operations, things like that, like things that I actually do enjoy doing. Cause again, behind the scenes, but things that I shouldn't have to do. So now we work with a distributor and we're um, talking to a publisher. And so these will, these are companies that work directly with big box retailers that help you kind of make sure that your product is getting from point A to point B, which is like on the shelves from manufacturer to shelves without any like hiccups. And so these are the the teams that we have started to work with, how we got to target without any hiccups, like on time, no deadlines missed, which is just like a huge relief. And um, I think there's also like um, budgeting opportunities uh, working with the companies that now don't just fall on me because uh, I think in the past I've, I would say year one and two were very easy because like I said, we started with a small budget, had pre-order sales help us um, with the inventory. And so we had zero reason to tap into credit, tap into you know loans. We were able to make a profit very quickly. And then once we, once I learned <laughs> how to, how a business works and, you know, what projections require and what cash flow is. I think a lot of those lessons learned um, have kind of put me in a position where it, it was not as easy as the first two years. And so I've kind of had to backtrack and, um, and, and then take out loans, uh, invest my own money. And so I've supported the business in every possible way besides, um, besides an actual investor. So I think we're still alive. Um, I think that's that's one of the things I'm proudest of, just like being in business during like these times during and post COVID. 
it's it hasn't been easy for small businesses everywhere. So I just think, okay, well, I still have full ownership and we're still um, in business. And so that's all that matters, though. I'm, I'm really hoping and what I'm striving for is um, being able to rely on the business and make it my full-time thing. It's not just yet right now, but I'm sure it will be. And then be able to kind of expand on more games and like really turn it into something beyond just Dragos because there's just so many ideas in here. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, let's, let's, I want to touch on a couple things that you, you said, y'all, all money ain't good money. VC money, not all the times is something that you want to go after, especially as an early founder. Nope. Um, you don't want somebody taking 30%, 50% ownership for like $10,000 or $30,000. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling y'all, do your research, especially if you do want to go that VC route, spend time with yourself, spend time with what your goals are. And for me too, I've bootstrapped my whole business through grants and crowdfunding. There has not nice. been any loans yet, uh, but I'm at that point where I'm looking at cash flow. I'm looking at, you know, what's coming in, what's going out and learning about operational um, kind of like making sure like high level how it would be to work with a mass retailer like Target. Thanks to a Target accelerator that I just completed with Target. Nice. Um, congrats. Thank you. But it's it's a lot of work, y'all. Like it's not just getting on the shelf. It's also staying on shelf, getting those orders in on time, not make, you know, it's it's a whole logistical operation and i'm so happy that you touched on that because a lot of people are like oh i get to a mass retailer and i'm done no that's oh. when the work really starts that's yeah. when you have to hustle and make sure that people are buying your product and mass retail and that you're hitting those numbers because at the end of the day you want to expand and you want to grow and i i just i'm so happy that you know you're at target and i'm so happy that you're you know also being vulnerable and giving us kind of like, hey, like this isn't my full time thing, and that's okay. Yeah. Like yeah. your bit, your your job is your investor for your business. They just exactly. don't know. <laughs> they just don't know. <laughs> investor. They just, and that's what I like to also tell people: like, don't just quit your job and start a business. Have a plan. Oh, Have yeah. a business plan and continue to work on 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 that plan because it changes year over year it's going to change and i think the biggest thing that i i've learned at least um after taking the accelerator that i have a lot of things that i'm going to change in my business a lot of things that i have to do and and that's okay it's okay to pivot it's okay to do things differently and also it's okay to dream and it's okay to like think of new ideas and new things that you want to do um, yeah. And I love that for Tragos because I can see Tragos not just in drinking, but I could see it as like so many things like apparel. I could see phone cases. I could see an <laughs> application. I could see games. I could see a thousand things because yeah. we deserve to feel and see and, and, and feel represented. So I, I honestly feel so grateful to you, Carolina, for your time. And I, before we, we log off, is there anything you want to tell our community when it comes to representation, like what does representation mean to you, Carolina? Yeah. Um, so I think I've been very lucky. I feel very grateful to have Tragos because it's it really did 
the in the first job that I wanted it to do, which was make me feel connected to my roots, even though um, I don't I'm not very I'm not either there physically or I'm not speaking Spanish every day. It's something that will always tie me back to my culture and is very much a part of my identity now, which is something that it, it just wasn't back then. Um, and so I think being able to say that I'm part of this community in the U.S., really um, makes me feel blessed because we're just amazing people <laughs> and we're all doing amazing things right now. So I think we're all out there. The more we connect with each other, the more united we are, the less we focus on our differences and the more that we can really like rise up as as one voice and, and, and one people and just do so many more great things uh, for the next generation. So it's very exciting times. That's so beautiful. I think that's, I mean, that's key right there. Like we're setting it up for the next generation so they could feel seen and celebrated and represented because they belong. Like their stories need to be told. Um, their games need to be played, you know? So <laughs> I think there's so much in that, that just like inspires me for me as an illustrator, like I illustrate because I want to make sure Latinas see themselves represented in the world. And Again, I'm so grateful to my cousin for bringing your game to that party. <laughs> like, it really did connect me back to Colombia. And, you know, for me, I miss it every day. I wish I was there full time. My husband is more Americanized. And so he's more of like, let's stay here because he, he's a, yeah. a tech guy. But anyway, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the podcast. Where can our community support you? Where can we buy tragos? um so i gotta i mean i gotta shout out target because that's where we are now um we just launched this month we're in about 17,000 or sorry 1700 stores in uh the country so you can find a location near you on the target website you can also shop online there too um we're also on our uh own website dragosgame.com we're also on Amazon and Walmart.com. Hopefully Walmart in-store 2024. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, awesome. And then I also want to shout out because I know Dragos is, is what's up right now. Um, but we also got into Target.com with Get Loud. Um, so that's our family-friendly game that I would I didn't really talk about. But it's also on Target's, uh, on the Target website. And we'll be coming to shelves uh, for hispanic heritage month so that, that'll be something fun and different to look forward to and a new game that we can play for that month so it's let's get loud it's called get loud but get you're loud. gonna think let's get loud in your head when you, yeah. <laughs> that's a good I'll way to remember it. it yeah i will be looking for it Come hell yeah um, um or september whenever it launches so just want to say thank you for what you do thank you for who you are and if we could also follow you on Instagram, where can we connect with your yeah. brand, with yourself? Are you on LinkedIn? Where can we find you? Uh, I am on LinkedIn. You can find me through the Dragos Games uh, company page on Instagram, TikTok. That's where we're mainly at, where our handle is at Dragos Game. All right. Thank you so much, Carolina. And please go go to Target and, and purchase your game, Dragos um and get loud is coming uh as well in october for hispanic heritage month so please if you have a family support latina business owners and so with that you can follow me at hola lucia diaz please subscribe to the podcast 
I also have an email newsletter that has a list of grants that go out every month. So make sure you go into the description of this episode to subscribe. I love sharing my resources. If I go and apply to a grant, I'm going to send it to my friends because we all need this funding in order to make these dreams come true. And I hope, you know, y'all know that there's enough for everybody out there. So with that, gracias for listening to this episode. Leave a review. Make sure if you purchase Tragos that you leave a review for Tragos on the Target website, also Amazon and Walmart. So with that, I love you so much, Carolina. Gracias. Ya tengo otra prima para llegar a Colombia. And I'm just so grateful that you were on the podcast. Gracias. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. That was so fun. Mil gracias for listening to this episode. Thank you, thank you for your support. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also do me a huge favor. Send this episode to your amiga, anybody that would enjoy listening to this specific episode. And make sure to also leave a review. That will help us get found by more amazing Latinas como tú. Bueno, recuerde, tú eres capaz. You are able to do anything that you set your mind to. You're a badass. And if you need a reminder, make sure to slide into my DMs. It's Hola Lucia Diaz in all platforms. Ciao!